Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. Get it. And I'm Vern Value. And we come to you every week uh, to talk about the Value Line Investment Survey. We're 25-year Wall Street analysts who put on uh, secret disguises every week and uh, have a couple of drinks and just have conversations that we've been having for 25 years, but now... Uh, you know, we have a reason to. But get, we're not that old. We started yeah, in the business no. very young. And so uh, we we come on, give our candid views about these stocks. Uh, our bosses don't know. We disguise our voices, but it's important just to disclose we do this for entertainment purposes only. Uh, it's a hobby on weekends. We quite likely have been drinking. So anything you hear here, uh, I'd say take with a grain of salt, wouldn't you, Vern? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, yeah. uh, let's get to it. We're looking at the January twenty sixth, two thousand seven issue of the Value Line Investment Survey. It's a heavy machinery week, companies that make big metal things. Uh, and I have to disclose something. Um, really? Last, well, last week, Vern, actually, you were supposed to go first, but but I did. So uh, this week, to I make it up going, to you. I wasn't going to say anything. I know, but to make it up to you, uh, you're going to go first you know, this I'm really week. Touched but I'm going to come back at the end of the show. forward without yeah. having to be prompted I just want to be very candid shamed. About Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've got some things to talk about at the back end of the show that I've never heard of. Lincoln Electric, for example, uh, page 1354. <laughs> Lincoln's gone electric. I don't know. Wabtec, WAB, uh, American Standard Companies, which I know I've talked about before, and a big leasing company, GATX. Uh, but first, let's turn it over to Vern Value. I, you're going to do American Standard? Why are you doing it also? Well, no, but I've got Crane. Okay. And don't yeah. they don't they both make uh, bathroom fixtures? I don't know. I don't know what Crane does. Uh, I think they do. Yeah. Sure. You've seen it in the men's room. You've seen the name. Oh, Crane? you know. Now that you mention it from that angle, uh, perhaps I have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> seen it from that angle. <laughs> so well, it's uh, actually on the. We'll talk about it then. I don't the, know. Uh, I don't know. I don't. The know. symbol is CR. I, I I found it because. You know, the first thing I do is I look at the fives, right? Yeah, that's what I do. Uh, because Value Line system um, penalizes often very good companies that have temporary issues that have provoked a sharp sell-off in the stock. So true. Good hunting ground for value, right. guys. I mean, we love to take advantage of fear when we can. Fear is, uh, yeah, free so money hanging there. there the, Crane is listed under the diversified company industry. But for the life of me, given what a lot of those companies look like and the machinery companies look like, I'm not sure I know what the difference is. But uh, they make uh, ceramic stuff and big metal stuff, and Value Line says they, uh, they make aerospace products. They uh, have industrial pumps, valves, uh, vending machines. There's some discussion here of them having recently bought Dixie Narco. Mm -hmm. Didn't that used mm -hmm. to belong to – who had that, Emerson? I don't or? know a lot about that one. Dixie Narco. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's been a terrific business for years and years and years. Uh, and they have an aircraft brake system business. Well, I, everybody knows the aerospace industry is doing well, right? And uh, anything that's industrial pump valve is doing really well and has a good outlook for uh, the coming year. A lot of CapEx in uh, process industries. So uh, business prospects, I would think, would seem fairly good. Value Line says they ran into some trouble in the fourth quarter because they had lowered their guidance. Um, and so that meant that, according to Value Line's little table there, um, they went from running solidly positive year-on-year -year comparisons and earnings to a negative number, and it's blamed on the recent acquisition of Dixie Narco, 
So that's temporary. And I can't help but wonder if, I mean, God forbid that it's just something to do with purchase accounting and goes away after a quarter. Or they lumped so. a lot of expenses in just you to know. get the deal done, and, uh, and your earnings you know, growth is higher going forward. Yeah, anyway, even if it is real integration issues, those would be temporary as well. Um, and Crane has bought other businesses. In fact, there's a list of some of them here in Value Line summary of the company. So uh, they say something about patient investors. Looks like you got to wait uh, to the June quarter of this year to get a positive comparison hmm. on earnings again out of Value Line. Probably why it's um, cheap. Comparison 14 times earnings, almost a 25% discount to the market. There's a little bit of yield, um, 20, less than 30% debt to cap. And uh, earnings per share still going to be up in 07 over 06, despite this disappointment. And despite the disappointment, earnings in 06 up like 15% compared with 05. Hmm. All for 14 times earnings. <clears throat> Free cash flow, according to Value Line, around 330 a share. So at 36 and a half bucks, it's only about 11 times free cash flow. So I got a 9% yeah, I mean, cash yield plus a dividend is 1.5%. Uh, I, That's a theme running through some capital, of these things. Low teens. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see what's wrong. There's with a theme this. here. I think it's just in this group. You've got low multiples because the recession keeps being predicted, and it's been predicted the last three years. It hasn't shown up. And from a macro level, 07 looks to be a good year as I well. I saw something else here that I wanted to mention. Uh, the the uh, the relative PE history here would suggest that this stock. You know, really never trades at a market multiple. But I see a lot of numbers that are higher than, than where it is right now. But the other thing I saw when I was looking at that is I noticed there's um, history in both the early 90s and then late 90s of share buybacks in the uh, share count line. And that has not been happening recently, nor is it part of Value Line's forecast in any significant way. So that would be an incremental uh, value enhancement tool. Uh, that this modestly leveraged, solidly generating cash flow business ought to be able to pull. So, Crane, CR, check it out. Um, then I had, I went Sounds back to good, something Bernie. that we've talked about before that was, mm -hmm. I've always been uh, uh, intrigued with, mm -hmm. and it's, uh, it's uh, the Briggs & Stratton situation. Briggs & Stratton, old uh, American name. Symbol is BGG, $1.4 market cap. Uh, Value Line also rates this a 5 and um, they're, they are the largest manufacturer of air-cooled gas engines between 3.5 and 25 horsepower, sold to uh, manufacturers of lawnmowers, tractors, garden tillers, generators, pressure washers, compressors, and pumps. Also, small outboard marine engines. Briggs & Stratton, the name everybody preferred, great supplier. Every, if, you had a, uh, if you wanted to be a leading brand in any of these product categories, you, you would love to team with them. A huge market share position. Return on capital, the value line's got history back late 90s, was teens and 20s numbers. Um, you know, really a fine company, as you put it, a, a grand old company. And uh, they decided that they accounted for most of the value in their customers' products, and they were really the brand that was uh, providing the differentiation in the market. So they decided to get into their customers' businesses. They got into, uh, they bought Generac and got into the, 
generator business in 2001, and that was really, I think, uh, the sole initiative in the space. And it worked great because part of what was happening then was just rapid growth in the entire product category, the entire industry. Uh, Briggs & Stratton helped some of that happen. I see. Uh, but then see. they bought Simplicity in 2004, which got them into the lawnmower business. I remember that. Sort name. of at the high end of the market. And then they bought Murray Assets in 2005. After, I mean, it took them like a year to close the deal. I don't remember why, but they were buying it maybe out of bankruptcy or so something. So are they a lawnmower company now? Yeah, now they're a lawnmower Not company. Not a lawnmower engine and, company. And everybody else that what about you know, Toro? buys their products wants I've to have about, nothing to do with them. I've talked about Toro here. Toro has a lot of great brands compared to these well, guys. And, and one of the uh, – I'm sorry. Do you like this or not like the, it? The, well, it, it's an interesting – I just wanted to recap the history because Value Line, unfortunately, doesn't capture any of that sort of change in direction of strategy in their description of the company here. Well, so they're on a short term. To be aware yeah. Of that, okay? yeah. The second thing I want to point out here is that uh, uh, Value Line's got projections for a, uh, uh, a turnaround in business um, that says, despite the fact that major retailers are fully stocked with generators and um, – Consumer spending is soft, and there's been issues in the lawnmower market, and that's something I've looked at separately. So, uh, well, it's got to be a real, you know, you know population a, growth market, and you've got, uh, you know, Toro maybe with better well, brands. Housing is a key element in driving lawnmower demand. Anyway, the, the profitability performance this business used to have is gone now, because compounding the uh, lower return entry into their customers' markets. Uh, Chinese alternatives to their products have become uh, are becoming uh, more readily accepted in part because first it's the wrench business, then the lawnmower business. They're because, coming after you, baby. And this is because you know Absolutely. part of the reason these other products are getting a reception is because cheap and good. Maybe Briggs got yeah. they're cheap and good, and Briggs got into their customers' businesses, and people don't like that. They uh, turn on you. Absolutely. So they need to spend money to try and defend this. They apparently. They do have some lower cost capacity coming on in the Czech Republic, but uh, I don't know why Value Line thinks operating margins are going to come back here. Um, Maybe they're just going to get back and just to doing the right engine now, business. Even though there's a nice dividend yield, it's priced at about 20 times free cash. Do they flow. still manufacture the engines, or are they outsource that? Oh no, them? no, they're yeah, they they're make still them doing themselves. Absolutely. They do it for all the brands. And I, as a matter of fact, I think they they've been working on uh, doing some sourcing in China themselves. What they should do is they should do about 60% of their own needs, outsource the rest. That way, when you have up and down in the consumer side, you're running your manufacturer full out at full margin. That's a strategy that uh, – are they doing that? Because that's smart. Well, I no, I don't think they are. Okay. Well, they should do that. They should listen in. But This I, is good I, advice for long -time them. Long-time listeners of ours know that – we often know very little about what we're talking about. That's true. Sometimes That's true. we know a little more, like we do now. I don't but, know that much. But you're really. asking about a level of detail. I don't think Vern should be held. Well, let me see that for a second. Okay. Now, but what what I like see, about someone this story, has to do something though, is here. I want to find somebody that can benefit. Returns from have this. been crushed. And here's here's someone who should be held accountable it. to these. Here's people. who can benefit from it, and this is the stock I've recommended in the past on the show. So are you not recommending Briggs We're and Stratton? Not recommending Briggs Come and Stratton. Come on, you hold that, you hold that back. People want to know. Got to set the story up, but right? I'm, because what you want I want to know is four rated by value. I've line turned the channel. Hey, what's on money line? Tecumseh products. <laughs> Tecumseh, like I've heard of that. Indian oh, all right. No, I know. It's, it's an old name. C-U-A. Are this they is, in Minnesota or something like that? Uh, Wisconsin, maybe. Okay. Michigan. Here Michigan. It is. Tecumseh, Michigan. They make motors, they, they're too. They're in a town they? named after them, right? 
Okay. okay. Well, quite and, an honor. And so in our, in our earlier story, when the heroic Briggs & Stratton was becoming the brand of engine everybody wanted... Yeah, is this some they type were, of like they were game some- show pitch? <laughs> <laughs> they were killing somebody, oh. and that somebody is Tecumseh Products. So yeah. they were just getting murdered by Briggs and Stratton, right? Okay. But then Briggs and Stratton decided they had a new strategic idea. You're really drawing me into the story. <laughs> and okay. They breathed life into the Tecumseh business because now all the people that are in the businesses Briggs decided to get into yeah. would like to see an alternative to Briggs. And so guess what? Right. So Tecumseh, they turned it to Tecumseh, the white knight, right? Dun, 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 now, got you know, it. Briggs and Stratton, okay. $29 stock at uh, with sales per share around 50 right? So 40% discount to sales per share sounds pretty interesting. And it's um, less than two times book value. Not bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tecumseh Products, $18 stock. Yeah. Hundred dollars per share in revenue. Hmm. Book is forty-four. Well, they must have a lot of debt. They've been losing money. Value line says that's about to stop. Do they have a lot of debt though? And in their twenty-five def- percent uh, debt to cap, long-term really? interest twenty-eight million, or about one and a half percent of one point seven billion of revenue. Wow. Uh, and ValueLine says they've had production problems in their new Brazil and Mexico plants. Which Where's the surprise in that? Designed to bring them back to break even. This business used to generate, you know, double-digit operating margins, eight or nine, as recently as 2003, 2004. They're at zero now, but clearly they're doing something about it. ValueLine says they think cash flow per share this in 2007 will be four and a half bucks. So it's four times gross cash flow. Wow. Six times free cash flow. Do they have any brands? It's in less there? than two times gross cash flow in the Star Trek. Uh, not quite sure when it is, yeah, but down the, the road future. Of, what uh, what brands do they have? Do they have any they brands? They have Tecumseh brands. That's it? That's it. They make compressors and condensers and uh, uh, engines and drivetrains. That's the engine business we talked about. And well, uh, who's motors com- and some pumps. So they're they're competing with the Chinese as well. Yeah, Chinese, the Chinese are coming Chinese after a whole them. Whole bunch as well. of stuff here. Do they have plants in China? Do we know? I don't know if they have okay. a plant in China. Does Value Line China. mention that? They do half of their business overseas. So that's good. That's good, I think. And oh. did I mention Brazil and Mexico? That was that was at the top. Okay. That's exciting. Right. Okay. okay. So anyway, if Value Line's remotely in the ballpark. So if you bought some of this, hold on to it, right? Sell some, take some take some winnings off the table, but stay in it. Yeah, what the heck? Okay, got one more idea that okay. we like. Actuant. A- actu- am I pronouncing that right? I would have no idea. It, it's like a, a sneeze, right? Symbol is I ATU. Uh, rating is three. This is the highest value line rating I have today. Uh, 20% discount to the market at 47 bucks. Traded at 68 earlier this year. 59 last year, 53 the year before. So stock has sold off some. Uh, I guess maybe uh, I'm not sure what it is because I'm looking at sales been doing nothing except going straight up from 2002 when apparently 2001 there was a they distribute they spun something out here. There was a divested business it says. So there's a discontinuity in the history of the company, right? Hmm. But when you get to 2002 from then. Sales are now more than twice what they were at that time. So and, something's uh, going right. They uh, tools and supplies, industrial electrical tools, 
uh, supply OEMs in auto, RV, medical, aerospace, semiconductor, and industrial with customized motion control systems, international 47%. That's um, a good number. I don't know them real well, but they uh, they make a, a – it's a little diversified company, right? Hmm. A little diversified industrial company. Well, what do you like about it? At a reasonable multiple. Well, I've got, a multiple. I've got a decent return Five on capital. Times. I've got a track record of just being able to grow. And I've got a gap between – this is what intrigued me is cash flow and – capital spending, uh, Value Line says in, in 2007, gross cash flow before 85 a share, cap spending 80 cents, so 4 bucks in free cash flow with my $47 stock. Wow. At $4, I mean, that gap is, I mean, if gross cash flow is five times what I need to reinvest. I go back a couple years, three and a half and 60 cents. I go back to 2002 since the spin-out. There's never been a lot of investment it, There's Right. I'm, I'm, even in that first year, in a week, flow. 2002, are they what the economy stock? was like? What are they doing? Are they they're, buying no, stock? they're buying businesses. Buying it says businesses. here they've made a couple more acquisitions. Hmm. Solid long-term play, they call it. I'm looking at operating margins. The lowest number on this page is 14.4% a decade ago. Uh, 14, 7, 14, 8 a couple years ago, 15 and a half now. It looks like a nice little company. Value line says nothing but double-digit growth in the sales and uh, earnings lines. They're showing big positive comps on earnings per share in their forecast. I don't know what value line doesn't like about it. Hmm. Anyway, ATU, Crane, Tecumseh. I got these are good ones this week. These well, are, I think Crane. Anyway. I don't know about that one. Tecumseh sounds pretty interesting, yeah. unless the Chinese well, that could be a home kill the crap out of them. Okay. Well, they, Are you they, done, they're already, The market's left it for half dead, as it is. Yeah. That stock at 18 traded, um, had a high of at least $50 every year for the prior 10. Yeah, but if they go out of business, that won't matter. Yeah, I know it know. won't. Okay. Know it won't. Well, beverage break, because i got to get going. I, gotta, I don't have a lot of yeah. time here. i got to go somewhere. Okay, this is Val Hughes. And if you don't get it, that stands for values, everyone. And on naming on name day, uh, I don't know. I came up with that. What can I tell you? Uh, this week in value line, I'm just going in orders. I usually do here. Uh, the market's been a little tough the last two days, so my guess is uh, I didn't check the closing prices, but my guess is that they're all a bit lower than uh, what's uh, on talk. these pages. I was pages. just talking about a good point. Uh, my portfolio's down about uh, well, it was kind of flattish today, although the the, the index well, turned negative, uh, but it was down yesterday. Anyway, uh, first up, a lot of machinery this week, a lot of stuff I really know just enough to be dangerous about, so I end up relying on valuation and. And gut instinct on some things. But there are some metrics you can look to for clues. And so I'm always impressed with good returns on capital, unless their accounting is phony, which sadly in our industry sometimes it is. But uh, I was drawn to uh, Lincoln Electric, page 1354. So if you're a subscriber, uh, you know, look, look along here. Uh, what was I attracted to? First, the valuation. It's 14.6 times earnings. It's a 21% discount to the S&P. And uh, it's trading, if you look down, you know, $5.65 per share, cash flow predicted for 07, stock at 61. It's 11 times, a little higher than I like to pay, but it's sitting here earning 15, 19% returns on capital, very little debt. And in fact, if you look at the balance sheet, there's a couple of bucks in cash. They're basically net debt free. And, uh, 
you know, they're trading at a, about 11 times cash flow. There are some CapEx needs, not too many. On free cash flow basis, it's trading at about 13 times, 14 times. So, you know, that's about a maybe a 7% yield plus growth, something like that. Margins are pretty healthy. Uh, so what do they do? Uh, it's interesting. I've never looked at this company in my life. They produce a comprehensive line of welding and cutting products manufactured in three company-owned facilities in the U.S. Well, I'm not thrilled with that, but 19 overseas. That's great. Not, uh, foreign sales, 49%. So uh, they're selling into a marketplace, which is the world, that's growing a little faster than the, the U.S. the one I know of. Yeah, e exactly. Um, they are... Uh, Let's see here. Royce is a big owner, 12%. That gets me attracted. Oh. Uh, officers and directors own 3%. The Lincoln family still owns 7%. Um, welding. Uh, what? GDP, industrialization of the world, India, China, you know, places that are growing. And I know the manufacturing businesses left in the U.S. must be pretty darn good or they would have been uh, put out of business already. It's a Cleveland-based company, and most things out of Cleveland are pretty good. Uh, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll, Bob Hope, those kinds of things. So I don't know if that's a good reason to buy <laughs> this stock. It's an interesting stock. investment thesis. Um, it says here they're trading at wow. a discount, but <laughs> well, that's a guess. <laughs> Whatever. You've heard of the Super Bowl thing, right? The What's Super Bowl, Bowl well, it, depending on which conference wins, tells you if the market's going to be up or down. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, well, right. it's coming up. I don't know. Be, yeah. be, maybe we'll tell the <laughs> listeners about that uh, next week. But in any case, Value Line says the domestic markets are showing some signs of slowing, but Lincoln continuing to grow. That sounds like share gains. Order levels are up. Uh, they have an opportunity for price hikes. I mean, this certainly sounds better than average, you know, and yet the stock's trading at a 20% discount. Capital spending is ramping up because they're seeing increased opportunities to earn higher returns, and I suspect that's coming from overseas, which doesn't quite say that here. Uh, they're generating a lot of cash flow. Sounds plausible. And uh, I think they're – let me see here. Did I look at – I mean, they're, they're paying down some debt. Uh, so, you know, uh, an industrial – a good industrial company, uh, judging by their high returns on capital – um, you know, trading at a discount, apt to gain share in a world economy that's growing. We're awash in wealth, and people are spending it on, in part, evidently, welding equipment. Okay, Lincoln Electric, uh, ticker LECO. Moving along, uh, page 1371, a little company called WabTech, which uh, ticker oh, WAB. Electric company. Okay. WAB, okay. Uh, and uh, what do these guys do? Webtech is a provider of equipment and services for the global <laughs> rail industry. Brakes. Not, isn't, yeah. that, isn't that Elmer Fudd's company? I was going to say that. It's, it's like Waskwee Webtech, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. L listen, I was uh, in a hotel uh, elevator this weekend. I don't want to say where. And as I was riding up to my floor, you know, they have a little screen there that usually has the weather or some oh, news yeah, headline. Right, this right. was playing Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> Honest to God, I'm not kidding. Anyway. With sound? Uh, no, no sound. No, just no sound. And just, everybody in the elevator staring at it. Right? Well, you're going to stare at something, and these weren't shiny elevator doors. <laughs> so yeah, people were looking up at the yeah. at the cartoons. Uh, anyway, where the hell was I? God damn it. Okay, Wabtech. Wab they make all kinds of stuff for railroads: the parts of the guts, brakes, air compressors, heat exchangers, cooling systems, door assemblies. 
event recorders, uh, you know, which I guess is the black box of the rail industry. Freight division accounts for 77% of revenue. So 77% of their revenue is tied into railroad parts. 23% is tied, and that's all freight. Uh, 23% is tied into passenger vehicles, which includes making the vehicles and subways and buses. And uh, and that business actually is on a roll right now as America sort of redoes their fleets in part due to better uh, gas efficiency. And it's, you know, it's a, it's an easier sell with gas prices higher than they've been on average uh, to, to get a new fleet. So they're having some good success there. Foreign sales are 24%. We have a theme here, or I should say I do. Uh, I don't know if Vern shares my view on this, but I think railroad. Well, let me you, okay, well, let me I tell you. It. Let me tell you about it. Is it thematic? I, it could be. It okay. could be. I believe I like that railroad, already. for the first time since the truck was invented, railroads are gaining share. It's showing up in the data. They're getting price hikes for the first time. Their returns on capital are going up. They're spending on new track upgrades, et cetera. Wabtech's going to be a beneficiary of that. They sell all the good stuff that railroads need to uh, maintain their systems. Their returns on capital are mid-teens. Return on equity is 18%. Wow. They haven't really levered this thing up. It's 28% at the cap. Value line shows their, you know, whatever, three to eight to 0.2 year <laughs> earnings growth rate estimate at 27%. That's pretty freaking fast. Well, were they losing money <clears throat> last year or something? Uh, or? Listen, I don't want to get into all the details on that. But, uh, no, they, they – uh, let me look here before I get into all – their low was in 04, they earned 70 cents. They're going to earn 2 bucks next year. The point is they went through the last cycle, but despite what you might think, without losing money – and at a time when Amazon and eBay, you know, couldn't make a dime, these guys were profitable, and they've continued to be. They don't pay much of a dividend. This is not a yield stock at all. But I think you're going to get growth in rail. These guys are going to benefit. They're going to have pricing opportunities because the total value of what they do to the railroad is very tiny compared to the cost of the railroad not operating. And so they are going to tend to get decent margins. They're earning 15% margins right now. Uh, they're making little acquisitions. Uh, Line says here they're making small a series of small and timely acquisitions. Well, small and timely acquisitions means uh, accretive acquisitions because you're probably getting somebody at a good price because you're bigger than they are. You're getting new markets, new products, and you slowly expand. Um, you know, as uh, industrial production around the world grows, these guys sound like they're going to be there to help whatever railroad companies there make sure everything's working properly. So I like this one uh, thematically, railroad gaining share, uh, Wabtec. Well, and, and that means that, which wouldn't have been possible a few years ago, because as you know, rails were having all kinds of trouble meeting schedules, et cetera. When the economy first started to ramp up, they were badly. Well, they're a little behind uh, in terms of technology. So where are they today? They've, they've finally convinced customers that they've conquered those demons. Now they need Wabtech all the more. They couldn't possibly do without Wabtech because they can't afford, they've got too much on the line. There's now. another benefit of the Internet to all economies of the world, and that is instead of everyone going, hey, we don't know how to make a system to do that, people can just say, what are you talking about? Look what Amazon can do. And people like Granger, who created websites, all of a sudden the website becomes the common language, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody has a home base to start to write things down and keep schedules and make sure costs aren't too high. And it's uh, and you don't have to hire another file clerk when you can just have your customer clicking stuff themselves in their website. So it's bringing a lot of efficiency. The railroad industry has been a little behind, I think, in uh, in doing that, and they're finally getting it. I think. Anyway, whatever. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, stock number three, 
Uh, I've talked about this before. American Standard Companies, page 1375. The theme on this one, I'm just having some themes, home comfort as the world gets richer. You know, you've got China and India uh, growing like mad, giant middle classes who want the comforts that we all enjoy, or many of us do. What do they do? Well, eight air conditioning systems are 59% of sales. Uh, uh, they they own they train, the old they? train. Yes, sir. And uh, bath and kitchen, 24%. That's the standard, you know, American standard. Uh, yeah, but are they in China? Foreign sales, 47%, my friend. So I don't know where they are, okay. but I know they have the telephone number of people in China. And if they're not in China, they're going to be in China. You know, it's one of those things where if you get Forbes magazine and, and you ride on a plane, eventually you're going to read an article that says, hey, you ought to move your stuff to China. And you go, oh. And then you get a promotion by explaining that to your boss and convincing him that you should go to China. Uh, this is just a matter of time. I don't know if they're there, but with 49% of your sales overseas, they're certainly positioned to have an infrastructure that can move to China. They also sell uh, some other things that I don't really know what they are. Vehicle control systems. So what's that? Humidifiers or like air conditioning? Product I don't know. But steering it's, wheel. It's only 17% of sales. I'm not worried about it. Okay, so These 17% of the business is so, so I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't say that here. I don't, I don't recognize these brands. Porcher, but Wabco, Lara, these are the brands they have. Really? Copalis. I don't know what these things are. Like they have manufacturing in 29 countries. They have 61,000 employees, officers and directors. Now, this is a uh, $9 billion company. Right, yeah. Officers and directors own 4% of the stock. Wow. Um, wow. So that's $500 million of stock, <laughs> officers and directors. I, I want to get to that. Uh, their return on capital here, if you look back, this has a 20-year chart or, you know, table. 28% predicted for next year, 21% this year. It's in the 20s for all years except 2003 when many people couldn't earn their way out of a bag. These guys were earning 20% returns on capital. Their share uh, return on equity is, uh, unfortunately, NMF because uh, it's just uh, – why is that exactly? I well, their equity, they've been buying themselves – well, I see. They had negative equity. That's a problem back in those days. Okay. Maluline must use some type of averaging system. But basically, they're, they're pretty levered, 66% debt to cap. Um, that looks like because they're, they're using all their money to buy stock at a premium to book, and that just slowly erodes your book value. Uh, that's just the accounting of it. If you have a book value, for example, of $10 per share, there's 10 million shares if you buy 5 million shares for $20 a share, guess what? Your equity's just gone to zero because that's simply the accounting of it, how much you paid. Oftentimes, it doesn't have a lot to do with what it's actually worth. And these well, guys, except that that helps account for why the return on capital is so stunning for a company that makes Well, uh, no, the capital isn't going to be affected by that calculation. It's just a matter of how much is equity, how much is debt, and that type of thing, in my opinion. But I just look at the cash flow per share as well as trading. You know, they're trading well, about 10 times is, cash flow. If book equity is negative, that means you're running with a, a bigger. Well, uh, it's not buy. negative right now. You're running. Debt is, uh, total debt here is $1.7 Equity yeah. is $700 million. Yeah, right. Why Value Line's putting NMF, that's my point. I don't know. They had negative equity uh, five and six years ago. Yeah. 
they've earned their way out of that, which in part explains their rapid growth rate and book value. But no, returns on capital, uh, I don't think, are affected by, you know, buying share back. Generally, they'll enhance that. But they've got 20% plus returns on capital going back for uh, the whole history here of value line. Uh, Also, they've got... I'll explain it to you later. Okay, and then I'll explain (laughs) it to you as well. Uh, we'll take that off. No, uh, exactly. <laughs> Operating margins running in the 10% range, but they've basically been buying stock back uh, for 10 years, 15 years, and that's and that's why the neg- that's why. I mean, the reason their returns on capital are high is because the deal on buying their stock it was a terrific return on capital itself. It's always been that way, and they continue to operate the company that way. Um, and I think you've got a theme here that as uh, you know, middle classes grow around the world. These guys are going to be there with some very strong brands. Trades at 17 times earnings. Uh, You know, I think they use standard. They use train. Uh, Yeah, 10% discount. Value line's predicting 16.5% growth in earnings uh, here, 20% growth in book value. Sales just uh, 12, so margins should have room to improve, actually, from the 10% range, particularly as they I expand overseas. realizes we wouldn't be talking about what the value line analysts are forecasting for growth rates unless we were talking about these stocks in part because we think that those numbers make sense, right? Um, we can't yeah, I mean, if the, if the value work. line estimate doesn't make sense, I wouldn't quote it. But, uh, you know, this guy's probably done more work on it than I have. Although that makes sense to me based on what I see as a potential for margin improvement. Yeah. Anyway, that's right. starting to bore me now. Uh, <laughs> finally, GATX, ticker GMT. I think I may have spoken about this before. Well, it's odd. sometimes there's clues, but I don't see one this I mean, week. If, you, if the name of your company is an acronym, then why wouldn't your symbol be the same one? Because it probably used to be a different name, be my guess. But I don't know. I don't know what it was. Oh, are people still listening at this point? Because I'm getting very sleepy. But let me just try to finish up on GATX, GMT, page 1385. It's actually a financial company. What these guys do is they buy up millions and billions of rail cars. Actually, they own 153,000 rail cars. And uh, then they lease them to people that need them on a short and long-term basis. Right. I think there's four companies that basically own all the rail cars in America. They're all in about a five-block area in Chicago, and uh, I think it's been that way for 150 years, honest to God. These guys are one of them. And I think they have something like, uh, it doesn't say it here, but I've, I've uh, looked at the company before. I think they have something like 20% share of all the sort of rail cars in play. That's not, I mean, companies own rail cars, not counting those. But okay. most companies lease rail cars just for the accounting of it. I'm not sure I can explain that. Other than in a quest for high ROI, you'd rather not have a bunch of money uh, tied up in a giant rail car that uh, well, yeah, it's a really expensive shopping. It's a uh, yeah, it's a very it's a very high margin, very low turnover. Your ROI isn't so good. Uh, but what these rail leasing companies do, of course, is lever up. Uh, GATX is seventy percent debt to capital. Now, I don't normally like a lot of debt, except when the debt is secured by rail cars that uh, you know are indestructible. Um, and I think rails gaining share then that doesn't concern me so much. I think it's a pretty good 
uh, pretty good collateral. Well, that's a pretty necessary item too. Your customer is out of business without it. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> I think that's right. Although there are there are cycles, but yeah, uh, okay. they're trading at about seven times gross cash flow. Um, they have a forty five percent operating margin. Now Value Line says CapEx is exceeding cash flow, which is a little confusing to me based on what Value Line reports here. But I believe in looking at the cash flow statement, not today, but probably six months ago. Uh, that has something to do with lease accounting and is not reflective of actually their net cash flow uh, to the company. In fact, they've been they've been paying down some debt. They are using free cash flow to do that. Their return on capital has been rising. Return on equity has been rising. Uh, and I think it's just a straight, you know, kind of a cash flow story. Seven times cash flow to me is about a 14% uh, cash on cash return. And then growth here is going to be GDP. Uh, plus rail share gain, which, uh, you know, GDP nominally is going to grow at, what, 7%, and then you're going to get, you know, a couple points of share gain. I mean, this thing could be a 20% returner. Well, the share gain thing could be huge because rail share is so small. It's bigger than you think. Well, it's about point, 30% probably. Right, you know, truck is like 70, right? right? Yeah. So if truck gives up... Uh, Ten you know, percent. That's a twenty. Of, per, right. right. Yeah, I got you. Well, uh, also Value Line, and I'll endorse this. I don't know. Um, my partner seems skeptical of Value Line's estimating ability, but um, I just don't want people to to think that you know we're just looking, we're scanning through here, looking at those numbers and picking stocks based on those numbers. Uh, well, sometimes I, mean, I am, actually. They're often supportive of a story that we're Most of the things at, I talk but... about, frankly, I own, and I haven't been disclosing that this week. Uh, we this week, we this week I own WabTech, uh, and I don't own uh, Lincoln, American Standard, or GATX, although I've been, looking at all, I've been looking at GATX very carefully for a while, and I may be close to buying it. Uh, earnings comparisons look pretty good. Value Line's forecasting an 18% growth rate, which, uh, you know, I think is reasonable. And, you know, management's doing the right thing with, uh, you know, our money. They're paying down debt and uh, buying assets that are returning uh, their better than their cost of capital. So uh, GATX, ticker GMT, page 1385. My favorite one this week, I think, is maybe, uh, you know, maybe this, uh, I don't know. I don't know which one my favorite, Val, or I'm Val, Vern. I think it may be WabTech, ticker WAB. That's what I'm thinking right now. You have anything else to say here on this week's show? I guess not. <laughs> I everybody, Vern's go. gone silent. So right. thanks for listening in, everybody. Apologies. And uh, we'll catch up to you next week. Bye-bye. Next week, everybody.